Good morning to you. I'm not going to lie, as Eric and I were driving in, we were debating with the family on how many were going to be here, so it may just be some elders in our families. But uh, we are glad that you have chosen to uh, worship with us on this fantastic Christmas morning. It may not be a white Christmas, but it is a cold Christmas at least. And so we thank the Lord for uh, the cold temperatures outside. Um, a couple of things before we do get started. Speaking of, of cold, you can be praying for our community. Uh, you may or may not be aware there are a lot of people who are uh, pipes are starting to burst and uh, a lot of just both residential and even uh, Louisiana Tech, a lot, of, uh, a lot of dorms are flooding and there's a nursing home in Monroe that are flooding. And so just a lot of flooding is starting to happen. And today, as the temperatures begin to rise, we'll probably have more uh, pipes bursting. And so just be praying for our community uh, as there'll be definitely a lot of displaced folks on this uh, Christmas day. And so be thankful uh, if you do not have that happen to your home, um, but be praying for those uh, in need um, and look for opportunities to help wherever we may. Um, secondly, uh, I did uh, say last night that we were going to strive to be brief this morning uh, in light of this being Christmas morning, but I have had a couple of people tell me uh, no need to be brief, so we'll be somewhere in the middle of brief and don't worry about it. So, that's where we're at this morning. All right, so if you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you do, I invite you to turn with me to the book of John, where Adam read for us a little bit earlier uh, as we were thinking about Christmas. We are taking a little break from Colossians, but as we'll see towards the end here, um, John 1 here just so happens to be a great connection to where we've been in Colossians these past few weeks. And so, and we'll pick back up Colossians next Sunday if you've not been with us in our time in Colossians uh, these past couple months. But it was uh, recommended by Ryan a few weeks ago that we spend uh, time in John chapter 1, and I'm very grateful for that recommendation, as this is just a wonderful passage. We, uh, we go back to John chapter 1 very often. Your, uh, your Bible may have some wear marks there uh, as we go there often. It's just a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. And honestly, one that we could spend, especially in true North Hills uh, fashion, we could spend a lot of time in John chapter 1. Uh, definitely not a brief study in John chapter 1. Uh, just these, especially first uh, 14 verses, we could spend, um, probably North Hills time, we could spend a good two months in John chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 14. But this morning, we will don't have a couple months. We have whatever time the Lord allows us this morning. So consider this morning a, an overview of John chapter 1, and we're going to grab a certain theme, as we'll see uh, this morning. And of course, today is Christmas, uh, and there is a theme that I would like to, to pick up on, uh, and that is Christmas lights. You know, we all love Christmas lights, right? And so if you want a title for this morning's message, which we don't often have one, but the title for this morning is Christmas Light. Christmas light. And so uh, Christmas lights is definitely a theme of Christmas. We all love Christmas lights. Many of you have probably been to Candy Cane Lane. If you haven't been, I think this is their last week and you can go and spend about an hour or two in the line uh, for about a 10 minute drive. It's a great experience. If you haven't been, and we have one more free token, I think. So I'm sure Erica will get us there before uh, the year is over. Hey, Candy Cane Lane, we love Christmas lights at our house um, and we love uh, all things Christmas. Uh, but Christmas lights are especially um, something that, that we're interested in. We look for lights. We hunt lights. We like to hang lights. Well, Erica likes me to hang lights. I can't stand li hanging lights, and she knows that, but it's a battle I lose uh, often. And so uh, 
But anyway, so Christmas lights, we all love the beauty of Christmas lights. And so as we see in John chapter 1, as Adam read for us a while ago, that is a clear theme in John chapter 1. Often whenever we think about the first chapter of John, we think about the Logos. We think about the Word of God. And that's usually, as I think about John 1, that's the, the, the word that comes to my mind. It's the Word of God being made flesh who comes to dwell among us, as we'll see in verse 14. But as we're going to read through this again, I think you're, you may be amazed at how much the theme of light and the light of Christ is present in the beginning of John's gospel here. So let us, let us read verses 1 through 9, and then we'll uh, finish with uh, verses 10 through 14 in a little bit. But uh, John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning... With God, all things were made through him, and without him, not anything uh, made that was made. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God, whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone who was, com- was coming into the world. So as we see there, there is plenty of light as a theme in this beginning chapter of John. But let's pray as we begin our time this morning. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for, for our time to gather on this Christmas morning. And Lord, not just to, to gather because it's church, not just to come because it's Christmas morning, Lord, but as we do faithfully each and every week, to gather around your preached word, to gather around your word that, that we sing, Lord, to gather to pray for one another and with one another, Lord, to, to center our, our minds, attention, and our hearts' affection on Christ. And so as we do that now, Lord, through the preaching of your word, I pray that you would uh, exalt Christ in each and every one of us. Keep me from error this morning, and or may you uh, make much of Jesus in John 1 this morning, for he is our light, and our life. In His name we do pray. Amen. Uh, it's also another uh, quick announcement, as, especially as we don't have nurse for this morning. If you're new with us and you have little kids, don't worry about them, okay? No one else is worried about your kids. If they're uh, crawling or screaming or crying or throwing up or whatever it is they're doing, it's quite okay, all right? And so it's no big deal. We have a saying here, the only people that kids bother are who? Are their parents. So parents, if you can get over it, we're all going to get over it. It's quite okay. Um, all right, so with that in mind, there's three things I want us to see this morning about this light that Christ is. And the first of which is this, that this is not new. So as we, as John opens up his gospel in John chapter 1 here, uh, before, before even John the Baptist comes on the scene to talk about Jesus being the light, the first thing is this, is the Old Testament prophesies about Jesus being the light. The Old Testament prophesies about Jesus being the light. So if you go with me to Isaiah chapter 49, we'll spend just a quick minute on this. Now, as you think about Old Testament prophecies, and especially this Christmas, Christmas season, there's so many uh, prophecies that uh, Jesus fulfills. Now, you, if you're like me, you're a numbers guy, and you ask, hey, how many Old Testament prophecies were there about Jesus? And that's kind of actually a hard thing to know. 
Hard, it's a hard number to have a precise, precise about, if you will, uh, because the exact number of how many prophecies there were in the Old Testament depends on how you count them. You know, there's just all kind of things you can do uh, when it comes to the prophecies of the Old Testament. Uh, there's some over 450 verses. Some would say over 500 verses that point to prophecies that Christ is going to fulfill. We can see over 300 uh, prophecies that Jesus fulfills in his earthly ministry. And so Jesus is constantly fulfilling all that the Old Testament speaks that the Messiah will do. And so Isaiah uh, has plenty of uh, messianic prophecies, if you will. And one of those is found in chapter 49. And there's even several prophecies in this one chapter in Isaiah 49. But the one we're going to look at just real quick in verse 6 is this. Isaiah 49, 6 says, as he's talking about the servant of the Lord, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob to bring back the preserved of Israel. And then there, then there in the second half of verse 6, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Now, it's not just that he's going to be a light, but the purpose of the light is that he might be the salvation to the ends of the earth. And we see this even in John chapter 1, that he is the light of man who has come that everyone might look to him and all of those who looked to him in faith would be saved. And so the Old Testament prophesizes about Jesus being the light, the light of man. This was written 700 years before John chapter 1 was written. So the fact that Jesus is the light is nothing new. This is something that was prophesied that one would come who would be the light, the light of man. And so we see uh, that Jesus is prophesied about. We see so much about the birth of Jesus that we celebrate today on Christmas Day was prophesied about. And him being the light and the light of man, the light of our salvation is clearly a part of that. But we will spend uh, much more of our time on these second two points. The second is this, is not only does the Old Testament prophesy about Jesus being the light of man, but Jesus professes to be the light. Jesus professes to be the light. Same book, John, uh, the book of John, go over a few chapters, John chapter 8. Just so Jesus gives no room for error, he wants to make very clear that we understand it, reading it now, 2,000 years later, that his original audience understands it in a very clear and dynamic way. In John chapter 8, verse 12, I'm just going to read this one verse. He's speaking to the Pharisees here, and uh, he's very direct with them, as he always is. In John 8, 12, Jesus says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them, being the Pharisees. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So here's Jesus. He doesn't just say, and for us today, it's kind of a simple statement, right? I am the light of life. But if you're a student of the Bible, if you've been in church long, if you've been in North Hills, you know that that is a, a powerful statement, this I am statement. We call this one of the I am statements of Scripture, that Jesus is aligning himself with the very nature of God, with God himself. He says, I am, I am God. He says, the, I am God himself. I am the light of the world. And he gives us two promises. And anytime that we see a promise in the New Testament, we should, we should pay very close attention because Jesus promises two things. As he professes that he is the light of the world, he gives his believer two promises. 
One is this, that we will not walk in darkness. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And that is a promise from Jesus Christ himself. He says, I am, he is God, he is the light of the world, and his promise to the believers in, in John's day, his promise to believers today in 2022, and even to the believers of 2023. Can you believe that 2023 is almost here? Next year, we'll be here in seven days. And that promise is that we will not walk in darkness when times seem dark. When our sins seem heavy in our heart. When they seem overwhelming to know that they are not. That Christ has indeed overcome. That He has indeed overcome. Go with me to the book of 1 John. Towards the end of the New Testament there. First chapter of 1 John. Starting in verse 5 here. This promise that we will not walk in darkness. This is the message that we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. So God is light and there is no darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. For if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now we know that as believers today, on this side of eternity, we know that we're going to struggle with sin. But the promise here is that we will not succumb to the darkness because God is light. Jesus is the light. And He has overcome sin and death and darkness. And so the promise that He gives us, that whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness. And if you walk in darkness, if you continue in darkness, if you are succumbed by the darkness, then you do not have the light that dwells richly inside of you, who is Christ. So the first, promise is, the first promise He gives that we will not walk in darkness. And the second promise He gives is this, is that we will have the light of life inside of us. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So two promises in this one verse in John's Gospel. That we will not walk in darkness, but we will have the light of life. Go with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, for a little bit of unpacking of this. Matthew, chapter 5, verse 14. These kids are wound up this morning, aren't they? Amen, they are. Makes us so thankful for nursery workers on a Sunday morning, doesn't it? Matthew, chapter 5, starting in verse 14. A couple of verses here few verses Matthew 5 verse 14 Jesus is speaking to his disciples here you are the light of the world now let's just stop for a moment there and we know that we are not the light right we know clearly 
that God is the actual light. That Jesus is the light. He is the light of life. But we carry the light. It's like a lantern, right? The lantern is nothing. We're a vessel. The Scripture often refers to us as. We're this meaningless vessel. And the only reason we have any meaning for what is inside of us and what is inside believers, what is inside the disciples of Jesus Christ is the light. It says you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that, you, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so here is this promise. Then not only will we not walk in darkness, but we will have the light of God inside of us. And why has He put His light inside of us? For our own benefit? Yes, for our good, for His glory, but also for the good of others. That others in the darkness might see the light. We will have the light of life inside of us. As believers, the light of life dwells inside each one of us richly and securely, might I add. That light is not going to be snuffed out. We got a little worried at our house yesterday. For like half a second, our electricity flickered. It doesn't take long to freak out, right? Electricity goes out. All the devices die. Everything with power goes out. But there is no danger in the light that dwells inside a believer of ever flickering, of ever going out, because it is the eternal light and life of Christ. And especially on this Christmas morning, it's, it's even interesting to think about Mary, right? Mary is often honored for carrying Christ, how Christ dwelt inside of her. She carried Christ for those nine months that He dwelled within her. Even as Justin and I were, were talking, that he was formed in Mary. Now he's formed in us. That we too carry Christ inside of us richly. And that is nothing to take lightly. He doesn't have to do that, right? But God chose to, to have the light of the world to dwell inside of us. And that we might be a light into a darkened place. And this is a promise that Jesus gives us, that He is the light of the world, that whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Thinking about Christmas season and holidays, I was thinking about Hanukkah uh, this weekend. So, hey, preacher, you're a Baptist pastor. You gave me a thing about Hanukkah? A little history lesson what Hanukkah is from, most of us probably don't even know what Hanukkah is, and I'll just give you the, the short uh, TLDR lesson, the too long, didn't read uh, lesson of Hanukkah. Hanukkah was uh, is a basically a celebration from something, an event that happened in uh, the t- around 200 or so, 200 years before Christ, on 200 B.C., whenever, if you remember our study through, uh, what was our last book that we went through? Daniel. Our study through Daniel, the Solution Empire, and uh, during the Maccabean Revolt, and there was during this time of Judah uh, Maccabee, and they were fighting the Solutions, and they were taking over all this Jewish, Jewish territory in the temple, and, uh, and Judah Maccabee had, had then won the battle, and they had taken back the temple. 
And they, they got back the menorah, the, the, the big candle. And they finally taken it back over. They went to light it. And they only had enough oil for one day. But they, they didn't have any more oil coming. It was going to be several days before it came. And miraculously, God used this oil that was only enough for one day to last for eight days. And it was a miracle of the Lord. And so they celebrate that of God's provision. And they celebrate His, his redemption of, of winning that battle. And if you really even uh, look at how a lot of uh, Jewish, um, uh, Jewish people celebrate uh, Hanukkah, some of it's even fairly man-centered. But as my good friend Adam succinctly states, it's a swing and a miss of how they miss Hanukkah. Because really, the beauty of Hanukkah, if you think about God redeeming His people and, and His victory over the, the enemy of God and the light that, that kept on shining, it was Christ. Like, I would love to celebrate Hanukkah, right? I would love to celebrate and recognize that every light that you see flicker is God Himself in the person of Christ. Because He is the light. I would love that every time that we saw a Christmas light, I would love to say every time that we saw a Christmas light wrapped around a post at someone's house, or we, we drove through Candy Cane Lane, or whenever we see these candles as we light the Advent, that they weren't just the lights themselves, that we thought about Christ, and that we could redeem every aspect that this culture tries to take. And even the Jewish people, when you go back to John, and let's just be, let's just be real for a moment. Let's always be real, right? But let's be real real. For a moment. And this kind of ties us into to Colossians. Well, let's not skip our third point, our, our time. For the sake of time, we'll just say this. Our third point was this. Sorry, I'm getting kind of wound up. The Old Testament prophesies, prophesies that Jesus is the light. Jesus professes to be the light. And thirdly, the apostles proclaim Jesus as the light. 1 John, let's just read this real quick. I'm going to come back to John 1. Go with me to 1 John again. Again, this stuff is just too good just to, just to skip over. 1 John chapter 2. We'll just read this kind of quick. Not for the sake of being quick, but, but 1 John 2, 7-11. How the apostles proclaim Jesus as the light. 1 John 2, 7 says, Beloved, I am writing... You know new commandment, but an old commandment that you have from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. But at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Like we could just stop right there and camp out, right? Like there is so much hope. In, in that passage right there, in 1 John 2 8, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The hope that we have. Do you ever wake up one morning, you wake up, you, you turn over and you grab your phone, you read some headlines, or maybe throughout the day, you know, Twitter breaking news comes through, you're like, oh, what just broke now? <laughs> and like, it's, it's easy to be dismayed, it's easy to be disheartened, it's easy to say, oh, the world is just falling apart. And it is falling apart all around us. But the hope here is that the darkness is passing away because we are ultimately in the kingdom of God. It is coming. It says the true light is already shining. The promise isn't that Christ is going to begin shining later. He is already shining. 
The darkness is actively passing away and the true light is actively shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother and abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So the apostles here, they proclaim Jesus as the light. They proclaim Jesus as the hope. He is the hope and the victory over darkness that is passing away and the true light that has come and that is already shining. And this present tense nature of the darkness passing and the light shining brings us so much hope. And that we are to walk in the light, just as Jesus tells us in Matthew. But so many miss this. They miss Jesus as the source of the light. They miss Jesus as the true Redeemer. They miss Jesus as the fulfillment of all of these promises in the Old Testament. They miss Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophets who've come before Him. They miss it. The swing and miss. And as we go back to John 1, to our text, In verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. It says, he was in the world. This is, honestly, as as, as joyous as John 1 is, there is this moment of just like heartbrokenness and sadness in this next verse. When you feel the weight, the true light, the light of God himself, the source of all life, he was in the world And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Yet the world rejected him. The created rejected the creator. But it gets worse. He came to his own, to his own kingdom there, to his own creation, and then more specifically, and his own people did not receive him. His own people, the Jewish people who have been looking for Him for 1,500 years, missed Him. Their hope was not in the person of Jesus, this light and the Word that became flesh to dwell dwell among us. They missed Him. They rejected Him. But here's this mystery that we've been talking about for the past two weeks in our time in Colossians. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Wow. So this mystery Who is Jesus and who did he come to save? This is the mystery we've been talking about in Colossians. Brings us right here to John chapter 1. It's no longer a mystery. It is Christ who is the Messiah. It is all of those who look to him in faith and repentance who are his people. And who are his people? All of those born not of the flesh, not of the will of man, not of blood, but of God himself as we see in Ephesians. And then verse 14, that we celebrate on this Christmas morning, and the Word became flesh and dwelt 
among us. The light of God, the light and life of God came and became flesh, came and became a baby and was swallowed up and was put into a manger. And you would almost say that this light was almost just snuffed out, right? In Bethlehem on a cold night, no pomp, no circumstance, not, not put on a, on a display in a palace, just some shepherds, a couple teenagers, and the angelic host proclaiming, for no pomp and circumstance of man that night, but he became flesh in the light of man, became flesh to dwell amongst us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Jesus that we worship. This is the Jesus that we talk about and preach about. This is the Jesus that we sing about. This is the Jesus that that our lives are transformed for. The Son of God, who has become flesh, who has come to dwell amongst us. And so whenever we say and hear cliche things like He's the reason for the season, hopefully we, we hear and see so much more. And we think about that the very light of God has come to us and that God Himself has brought us alive in Christ and has placed His light inside of us for our good and for His glory and for the good of all of those that He would save. And so as we celebrate Christmas today, as we continue our many traditions, I'm sure like our family and many of your families, Christmas is not over today. You're probably celebrating this week and you continue with families for the next week or two. Who knows what your traditions are? But may we truly think about Christ. May we truly desire to walk in the newness of the life of Christ. May people look at us and not see a, a jaded individual, a, um, a, a snarky individual. I heard someone describe a brother this morning in a very uh, unflattering manner. But may we be seen as people that are full of life and hope and joy because Christ inside of us. And the only way that we can be seen as those things is not because of the good of ourselves, but because of the very light that dwells in us. The Christmas light. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for this chance to open Your Word. Lord, we thank You for the Christmas light who is Christ. Lord, as we have a chance to continue to sing, to continue to worship Jesus, to come to this communion table, Lord, to give as He has so freely given to us this year. Lord, may we do all of these things because of the light that dwells inside of us. And we live as a redeemed people Lord, may we go about this Christmas day as those full of joy. Not joy from presents or joy from being with family or joy from food or joy from time off from work, but a joy that solely comes from Christ. 
May we respond in faith in these next few moments to your preached word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.